grace and peace, everybody. It's Pastor Leon, and this is Pastor Cast number 44. And this is the fourth installment of the series that we've been doing on the book of Habakkuk. And uh, the book of Habakkuk is from the Hebrew scriptures, what some folks would call the Old Testament. And the reason why I wanted to do this particular series was uh, because Habakkuk was in a particular situation that we probably would resonate with. The world around him was just seems like it was falling apart. Uh, there was all kinds of anxiety. Um, there was uncertainty about the future. Uh, there was a lot of fear. Um, there were there was war and rumors of war. Um, you know, there were all kinds of things that were happening around Habakkuk and it looked like that things were not going to go well for the people of God, for the people of Israel, the, the folks who lived in the kingdom of Judah, which was centered around Jerusalem, the holy city. And so Habakkuk is prophesying as, uh, other prophets of the day were doing as well. Uh, Jeremiah, uh, was, uh, was one of his contemporaries. And so, Uh, The difference between Habakkuk and some of these other prophets is that uh, Habakkuk actually went to God in his prophecies and the things that were written down. Um, He goes to God and and says to God, why are you doing this? Why is this happening? What's going on? You need to do something. Where are you? Um, So all of these questions, and it says in this text that he actually screams at God. You know, he's, he's so upset. He's so angry and frustrated and fearful. And God responds. And so there's... Uh, in the text, in the prophecies themselves, uh, it's it's Habakkuk speaking to God and then God replying and then Habakkuk replying back to God. And so what we discovered uh, in the last couple of episodes is that Habakkuk comes to God with his complaint, uh, comes to God with his issues, and then God responds but doesn't respond in a very good way. Uh, in fact, uh, the response that Habakkuk gets is not what he wants to hear. In fact, uh, it's uh, pretty terrible. So God says the Babylonians are going to come and there's going to be horrible things that are going to happen. These are not great people. Uh, the interesting thing about it is that uh, as we discussed last week or last episode, it feels like a week, doesn't it? Um, but uh, the last episode we talked about how it was almost like God was holding up a mirror to the people of Israel, the kingdom of Judah and saying, you know, you see all these people, you see these Babylonians um, who you know, have basically become their own God. You know, they rely on their own strength and their own power uh, to, uh, to get what they want. And that's what you were doing. That's essentially what you have become. Um, And so it's almost like in a way, um, you know, God, um, you know, sort of lets us see ourselves, you know, in moments of clarity, like this is what I've become. This is what has happened, you know, and, and sometimes we have to live with the consequences of that. Um, the thing that we really have been centered around is this idea that, you know, where does the, where do these things come from? You know, like where, where does judgment, right? This idea of judgment, uh, you know, where is that coming from? You know, like if, you know, with calamities and disasters and terrorist attacks and now viruses, right. That, that can't be controlled. Uh, and we all have to self quarantine and self isolate and the economy goes in the, in the, you know, in the, in the tank and, you know, everything is, is, is thrown up, uh, for grabs, right? There's so much uncertainty. So like, where's all that coming from? Cause a lot of people will try to tell you, and this is what's going to be happening a, a lot in the, in the coming weeks, um, is there's going to be a lot of people who call themselves Christians that are going to be talking about how this is, judgment on the world because of, uh, you know, wickedness and evil and, 
you know, I just heard this recently, which is absolutely just sickening to me, uh, that somebody said that this whole thing is a judgment from God because of the worldwide, uh, you know, the way, the way the world has become tolerant of LGBTQ people. This is just absolute, ridiculous, terrible theology, uh, theology that does violence to the gospel and the people that are spreading these lies and spreading this kind of horrible theology, um, they are not speaking for God. They are not speaking for Jesus. In fact, they're doing the exact opposite. Uh, and so uh, I don't know if I could say that any clearer, uh, but anybody who's saying that kind of thing is not being faithful to the gospel. They are doing the exact opposite of what Jesus would do. Um, and so to call themselves a Christian in that particular context, you know, does violence to the word Christian, in my opinion. So there's a lot of people that are doing that. Right. And, you know, so we we're trying to figure out where the meaning in all this, like, where do we figure this out? And so finding God in the presence of all of these things is, is a stretch sometimes for us in our finite sort of vision. But that's what Habakkuk is struggling with. I mean, that's what this book really gives us is a glimpse of the struggle that each of us has when uh, we come to God sometimes and we don't necessarily get the answers that we want. And what do you do when you don't get the answer that you want? Well, <laughs> according to Habakkuk, uh, you complain a second time, right? So that's what he does. So we're going to uh, start thinking through this as we dive deeper into the book of Habakkuk. Um this book, honestly, is for faithful people who are living in the meantime of things, right? You know, the in-between time, the time of tension. Um, and this particular episode, I think, is going to deal with some serious issues for those of us who really want to believe in God, you know, but we sometimes struggle to know what God is up to. One of the biggest obstacles that people claim that keeps them from believing in and or being in a relationship with their God is their belief that God really isn't that good, so here's a question for most of us. Have you ever wondered if God's plans were really on target? Or maybe you thought that your plans were better. You know, the last episode we talked about God's plans and you know how um, you know that God there is a plan, right? Well, we're gonna dig a little deeper into that because what happens when you can't find a good reason for something that just happened to you or in the world around you? You know, maybe some of us would like some answers as to why uh, these things are happening in the world around us right now. Habakkuk wondered these kind of things too. In fact, uh, he let God have it when he thought that God needed some reminding of the things that God loved and valued and lifted up. <laughs> this is a, a truly interesting and fascinating uh, and particularly uh, Hebrew way of, of dealing with things. So like in the very, uh, in the ancient Hebrew prophecies, the ancient Hebrew um, teachers and so forth, they had no problems reminding God, you know, like, God, you, you say that you are these things and why are you not being faithful to what you say? Uh, sort of calling God on the carpet. Um, the word Israel, uh, which describes, the, you know, the people of Israel. Israel means the God wrestlers, you know, the, the people that wrestle with God. So Habakkuk wanted God to bring revival to the Hebrew people. He wanted things to be set to right, you know, because he realized that, his own people were not doing what they were supposed to do. They were not uh, worshiping rightly. They were not keeping the laws, uh, the Torah. They were not doing the things that they were being called to do as a priestly people to point people to God. 
So God responds to Habakkuk by saying, okay, well, I hear you, but here's what's going to happen, right? The Babylonians are going to be raised up and things are going to happen and it's not going to be good news. So Habakkuk finds himself in a lose-lose situation. He's at the end of his rope and he doesn't have a lot of options. And it seemed to be that God is indicating that his options had even shrunk, had shrunk even more. You know, it's like he's saying, God is saying to Habakkuk, I hear you, things are bad. I'll give you a choice. Choose destruction by the Babylonians or destruction by the Babylonians because that's the choice. Have you ever felt like God had taken your options away? Like failure was the only option? And maybe, maybe you know, to say God had done it is kind of a stretch for some folks. But, you know, there are times when it feels like you, maybe even your heart of hearts, when you feel like you have no options, there's like no way out. Um, there's no way forward, right? I mean, we feel that right now. There just seems to be a lot of uncertainty. A lot of our options are being taken away every single day. Um, and so sometimes it can feel a bit, a little bit like, you know, what's God doing? I mean, you know, what am I, Job here? You know, I mean, the, like the story of Job, that famous story of the guy that like loses everything, you know, that, that God just kind of seems to be messing with him. Um, so here's, here's a parable uh, of sorts. I mean, it seems that there was this guy who enjoyed hand gliding. Um, you know, the, the kind of thing that where people jump off a cliff strapped to a kite which escapes me, but Hey, you know, the, you know, to each his own. So this guy had jumped off the side of a cliff a dozen times without incident. But on this one day he, he jumps off with his hang glide, his hang glider strapped on and the thing just falls apart. So by some miracle, he manages to grab onto a branch as he's tumbling off the side of the cliff. And so he's hanging there and he's listening to the branch begin to creak. You know, like it's, it's going to give way. It's going to come out of the dirt at any moment and he's going to plunge to his death. And he begins to scream and shout, God, if you're there, save me. And so suddenly there's a voice from the sky that says, my son, I'm here and I hear you. You must trust me though. Let go of the branch. So the man sits there in silence listening to the branch creak. And then he says, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> I know it's a dad joke. Hey man, I've been there hanging on that branch feeling like it's the end of the world. And maybe some of us are doing that right now. You know, we just don't know what to do. We don't know where else to go. We don't know how to respond. So what I want you to know and what I want us to sort of struggle with here and, and to hold up as we're, we're reading through this passage and as we work through this, this book of Habakkuk uh, in this particular episode, what I want you to know is this. When all else fails, you're right where God wants you. When all else fails, you're right where God wants you. And I, and I think the reason for that is that sometimes we have to let go of all of the things that we've been holding on to, the things that we think are going to save us um, in order to rely more fully on God's great grace and God's plans, which are sometimes beyond our comprehension, obviously, right? So there's a pattern here with Habakkuk. First, he complains to God, and then God responds. Habakkuk doesn't like the response, so he complains some more. So Habakkuk had plans, and God's plans were different. It's like that old saying, make God laugh, tell him your plans. And so uh, Habakkuk wants a second opinion. And so this is what he does. Uh, in Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 12 through 17, this is what 
Habakkuk says to God. He's reminding God of who God is. He says, Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them, the Babylonians, to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made people like the fish in the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet. And so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net, he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? Habakkuk is saying, you just told me that these people have become their own God. They rely on their own strength. They rely on their military might. They rely on the fact that they're powerful. And that has become their God. And you're saying that you're going to give these people what they want? You're going to let these people win? You're going to let this happen to God's people? Yes, we have done things that are not great. But yet we're still your people. Are you going to allow evil to happen to your people. Habakkuk wants a second opinion. It's like he's asking, is there anybody else up there? I don't blame him for struggling with God over what seems to be God's plans here, right? There's, there's something going on, right? That God uh, is saying this is happening, uh, but there's something that's going to happen in the midst of it. There might be bad things that are going to happen, but I'm going to be on the other side of that. There's there's something that's going to be amazing about it. He wonders why God is going to allow a bunch of rotten people to triumph over the people of God. I mean, he agrees with God that the Babylonians are godless and awful and arrogant and merciless and power hungry and evil. And God basically says to him, well, what do you expect? But a pig from a pig, but a grunt. But for my people, I expected more. I found this quote the other day, the greater the light, the greater the responsibility. So Habakkuk was faced with the reality that the people of God weren't judged by the same criteria as the Babylonians. God had a higher standard because they were God's people. Everything that God does to, among, with, and through God's people, all of those things are going to move them closer to where God needs them to be. I mean, God might not cause all of the things. I mean, even though that's what Habakkuk is seeing, because he's looking at it through a, an ancient 6th century BCE lens. And so he's trying to affix meaning. And so, of course, God has caused all this to happen. But what we believe and what we understand is that God doesn't cause all things, but God is in the midst of all things. And God is constantly moving us towards restoration. The arc of the universe bends towards justice and shalom, the shalom of God. That's what God wants. That's the plan. But still, in this particular case, and even in the case that we find ourselves in right now, it seems like we're moving in the opposite direction of redemption. That there's options that are being taken away and that the only options are failure and failure alone, right? So when this happens to us, I mean, we, we find ourselves kind of holding on to some fragile faith, wondering if maybe everything we thought we knew about God isn't true. Maybe God is mad at us. Maybe God is full of judgment. Maybe God is trying to, you know, do something to sort of mete out justice against those who have violated God's rules. Rather than, rather 
than a God who is present in the midst of the struggle, present in the midst of suffering, present in the midst of all of these things that just happened. And God leads us through it. God sees us through it, leading us to restoration, leading us to resurrection. It's kind of why we need passages of scripture like Romans 11, 33 through 36, which give us this. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For him, for for him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Sisters and brothers, that will preach. Brother Paul laying down some wisdom. But all Habakkuk had was God's promise that the Babylonians were not going to get the last word. There was no other option then but to let go of the branch and to trust. So how do we do that? How do we learn to trust that that God is going to see us through this, that there's something on the other side of it, that we don't have to be afraid? Well, I think that it starts with breathing and being still. So when we stop talking and we listen, We tend to hear what we couldn't hear over the sound of our own voice. And then we're able to hear more clearly what God might be speaking to us. And we were still, when we were still, we begin to understand that God is God and we are not. I mean, we talked about that in the last episode. Right now is a great time uh, for us to practice this um, because Um, what else are we going to do, right? I mean, there's not much that we can do except, you know, find some moments to be able to do things like this. And I know it might be difficult in your house if you've got like small children, if you've got a whole bunch of things going on, you got a bunch of people that are sequestered with you. But I would try to find some space uh, for that to happen uh, so that uh, you can start practicing breathing and being still. I also think that we need to put our feet on sound footing. And for me, the sound footing I need is the knowledge that God has shown up in the past and has handled it. Scripture may be the lamp that guides my feet, according to that old psalm uh, that I memorized when I was a kid. But my experiences of God's goodness are the signposts that remind me of where I am and where I'm going. So when we have that sound footing, we need to stand on it. I mean, this isn't rocket science. Standing requires some action and It requires some courage. And if none of this seems to be working, we need to just let go and commit it all to God. I mean, that's really what it all boils down to in the end, isn't it? God seems to prefer brokenness and frailty and incompleteness. He loves it uh, when we finally say, I can't, so that God can say, I can. Um, Several years ago, uh, quite a few years ago, um, my wife Meredith and I found ourselves in a hang gliding accident. (laughs) We were believing that God was calling us to move to Chicago so I could attend seminary. And we made all the arrangements for registration for me and for my my wife to transfer her job from Florida to Chicago. It was a huge step of faith. Then we couldn't sell our house. And we couldn't sell my car. We couldn't sell any of the other things that we couldn't take with us. And we didn't have a place to live in Chicago. So at this point, I was clinging to that branch like a beast, and it was creaking. I mean, everything inside of me was telling me to call it off, just to stay where I was. But Meredith and I decided to let go. 
And one month before we were scheduled to move, we received a call from a couple who had looked at our house three months prior but had expressed no interest. They wanted to come and they wanted to see it again. And then they made us an offer, but they made it contingent upon the fact that we would close by the end of the month when we had to leave. So I still had to sell my car and I had to sell a washer, a dryer, a bedroom set, an entertainment center, a lawnmower and a whole bunch of other stuff. And we didn't have any place to live in Chicago. So we decided that we needed to get my son enrolled in school in Chicago first. And so we found a Montessori style school that was downtown. And then we began to search for an apartment and try to find one that we thought might be close to the school. There was an, uh, an apartment uh, that was available that we eventually discovered had the same address as the school. And the reason why it had the same address as the school was because it was in the same building. Now, would you believe that our deposit on that apartment arrived in the mail ahead of the deposit of another family who wanted that apartment? And so the person that was processing the mail that day, as they opened our deposit, they processed the application and they went ahead and claimed the apartment for us. And then the next piece of mail that they opened up was the deposit from the other family. So we got that apartment. One week before we were supposed to move, I still had not sold my car, my washer, the dryer, the bedroom set, the entertainment center. I mean, all that stuff. So we've been advertising everything in the newspaper and nothing. And so we decided to have a yard sale to get rid of everything. And somebody showed up and bought the washer and dryer. Somebody showed up and bought the lawnmower and the entertainment center and the bedroom set and all that stuff. All of it sold. And all of a sudden, this guy showed up in the middle of the yard sale and asked me if I was still selling a Toyota Camry. I told him that I was. He test drove it. And then he gave me a deposit. The rest of the money arrived later in the week. In the meantime, I literally drove my car for the rest of the week. I parked it at my friend's house on the way out of town and gave him the keys to give it to the new buyer. The money we made from selling our stuff paid for the cross-country move from Tallahassee, Florida to Chicago. The options were gone. I mean, we were at the point where it was like, we are, we are in the midst of this. The only, way, the only way forward now is to move back. And we didn't feel like that that was an option for us. And so it was just feeling like failure was inevitable. But we let go. And I'm going to never forget that as long as I live. Because that's my experience. That's what I know. I know that when I've let go and when I've, I've just... Uh, allowed God to do what God does when I admit that I'm at the end of my rope, when I admit that I'm hanging on for dear life. I don't ask if there's somebody else out there, somebody else up there. Um, I'm learning and I continue to learn this over and over again, that when all else fails, that you're right where God wants you. And right now we are experiencing a lot of the no option kind of stuff that, uh, that I've been talking about. In fact, as I'm recording this, um, we've been issued a shelter-in-place order for the city of Austin and for Travis County and, and for Williamson County, which is the county just north of us. Uh, and so, you know, we're, we're anxious. I mean, you know, there's a lot of anxiety surrounding all the things that we're doing. Uh, and uh, we're hoping that we're doing the right things. We're hoping that we're saving lives. But we also are mindful of the fact that while we're doing all of this, there's a lot of people that are losing their livelihoods, losing their businesses, having to lay people off. So there's, there's an economic impact to this as, as well as the physical 
uh, and uh, the uh, medical impact. Um, you know that we're we're concerned about taking care of people and saving people's lives and preventing a pandemic, uh, or worse uh, of a pandemic. We already have a pandemic, uh, but we also have to be mindful of the fact that there's another toll on the other side of this, and and there's a lot of people that are having to figure out how to let go and to let God to realize that they're right where they are is where God wants them, and in brokenness and frailty, to be able just to trust that God is going to see them through. And so I would encourage you. Uh, to to lean into this, to lean into this lesson on Habakkuk, uh, and uh, let's just let's keep let's keep holding on to each other, even as we're holding on to those branches. Why don't we? Well, I hope you have a great day. Uh, we'll be continuing this. We've got a a couple of more, two or three more of these uh, podcasts in the series, and I hope that you've been enjoying them. I hope they've been speaking to you, and uh, we'll see you very soon. Have a great day.